Hey, how you doing? Welcome to your next installment of Delirious. I'm your host, Kirk. We got a super cool guest on this episode, Mr. Jan Pearson. He's a self-proclaimed bird nerd. At least that's what I think he called himself. Uh, but before I introduce Jan, a bit of business. Now, first of all, I want to give a shout out to our sound engineer, KD. And that ain't Kevin Durant, people. Heck of a job mixing this one up, KD. Also, a tip of the hat to the bloke who wrote and performed our theme music, Mr. KD. So, if you like listening to the show and you want to hear more, I'd be forever grateful if you left a rating, uh, maybe even a review if the spirit moves you. It helps tremendously in getting the word out there about our little project here, our little podcast. Also, if you got feedback, you got ideas for the show, hit me up on Facebook or Instagram under Delarius, of course, or just shoot me an email at kirkdelario.com. All right, enough business. Now, my guest today is Mr. Jan Pearson. I got to know Jan through my wife, actually, as he and his wife, Liz, are big fans of the Bowdoin College Polar Bears women's basketball team. Um, and I'm pretty jealous. When I first heard of what Jan did for a living, I was super jealous. So Jan is actually one of the founders of Field Guides, fieldguides.com. He's a veteran of more than... 40 years of international birding and guiding. This guy's traveled all over the world. He's hit all seven continents. He's seen all kinds of crazy things, birds, people, cultures, landscapes, and I wanted to hear more about it. His nickname's the Gannet. This is a large seabird. It's got a big appetite, some other things that are really interesting. We're going to hear more about why Jan was called the Gannet. We're also going to hear more from Jan's wife, Liz, uh, his better half of more than 40 years as well. At the request of my wife, who wanted to learn more about how Jan and Liz have built such a strong, lasting relationship over such a long period of time. Longer than I've been alive, which is pretty unbelievable. So to set the scene here, actually Jan and I sat down in his lovely home on the main coast on a Sunday afternoon in January. We watched the sunset over the water with the snow in the trees, and we were sipping some of his special family recipe, eggnog, which was delicious and pretty boozy, if you ask me. So uh, with that said, you got the lay of the land. Without further ado, let's peck at the bird brain of Mr. Jan Pearson, the get it himself. So great to be here with the sun setting. We're in, it's a it's a late warm late January day, isn't it? But we're still drinking eggnog, Jan. It is well, and I made a large supply. <laughs> Plus, we a... have a friend who's another basketball fan. Yeah, who is a, a great um, eggnog aficionado. So I try to reserve a quart for oh, him. A quart. <laughs> yes. Wait, how much do you make to- in total? I make um, it's thirteen quarts. 13 quarts. <laughs> well, it's six dozen eggs and all the rest. So, so it, uh, it's a large, it's a whole lobster pot full. Yeah. Stuff. A, a lobster pot. You make it in a lobster pot. I did. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It's, well, you need, you need something large. It's the biggest thing we have. It's either that or an oil, oil drum or something. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. So. Well, you're very kind to uh, hang out with me for a little bit. And yeah. shoot the breeze. Uh, you, what do you got going on in the next month? Because I know you're do, you're doing some traveling soon, right? Are you leading some tours? 
I'm not leading any tours. I'm actually retired from leading tours. Oh, I, I, I didn't led, know that. I led tours. I know. It's, we'll break all the news right here. Um, <laughs> I, I led tours uh, from 1981 to early 2009. Uh-huh. And then I hung up my hat because it was sort of too much to help run things on the side you know on the business side mm-hmm. and also be traveling and I found myself like working non-stop for two weeks and then I go on a two-week tour and then I come back and work non-stop for two or oh, three wow. weeks and it got a little yeah <laughs> a little too much so but we have a great staff of guides so they're out there I looked at the staff of guides is a large staff it is yeah well we're doing 150 departures or so each wow. year something like that so you so you led tours for what was it then thirty forty something, well, something like that yeah from eighty one to two thousand nine so whatever I failed out of engineering <laughs> yeah, yeah so 20, <laughs> 20, 28 years twenty eight years so. yeah um, so you're not doing as so you're not doing any tours now no I'm not doing any tours I mean I'm seeing tours and tour material and yeah bird stuff every hour of every day yeah. Um, but and I'd go along occasionally on something like if we're we have a new guide coming uh-huh. in or something and I want to um, eyeball you know how things are going with that person mm. they're go- they'll be going along with the experienced staff guide um, but sometimes I tag along on trips for a couple of days yeah but you so you founded the company I or am, you're one of the founders I'm one of the founders yes um, and all of my co-founders. Um, we're in Austin, Texas. Oh. We started, you know, the question was, where's the office going to be? And it was pretty obvious it wasn't going to be here <laughs> since I was the outlier. Yeah. So. Yeah. Wow. So then, uh, so you're more, I mean, you, this is, this has been your career for, uh, a long time, a long time. Yeah. 35 so, years. And it's more, you're more on the sort of, well, I mean, obviously you're a birder and, uh, would you say a naturalist, but would you say, are you, are you an ornithologist? I'm not a formal ornithologist. I don't have a PhD in ornithology or anything. I took ornithology in college, but I was a biology major. Well, that's really so, disappointing, Jan. I think uh-oh. we're going to have to end this. Okay. <laughs> I'm not qualified to speak about any of this. You're going to have to yeah. go, go talk with uh, <laughs> someone right. else. I'm but, so, but this has been, so you've done this, you've been a birder for, and a, and a guide for 30 plus years, right? It's been a birder sort of... since 1974 and a guide since 1981. Wow. Well, actually, and in, in Liz and I guided. Yeah, little day trips and overnight trips for men Audubon and others way back starting in the you know late seventies. Wow! So. so this has really been. I mean, did you do any? Did you ever do anything other than this career path? Uh, briefly. So um, I, you know, life is uh, full of serendipity. <laughs> and, of course. And, yes, and and so. I was essentially like a pre-med, you know, yeah. bio major. Uh-huh. Uh, was it, where'd you go? In, at Bowdoin. Oh, yeah. well, I wanted to Right down Bowdoin. the street. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stay close. So, um, and uh, I, was, I was pre-med until my last semester. And then my, right before my, I had to sign up for classes for my last semester, I decided, you know, it's not going to be me. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't excited about what was going on in my cohort and various other things. And... So I was looking around for classes to take, and I I found, uh, you know, I looked in the bio sort of curriculum, uh, and I was trying to find something that didn't require either rats, which I'd been working <laughs> with, or test tubes, or electron scanning microscopes, you know, the uh-huh. technology of the day. Um, 
And the only two choices... What do you choices, have against rodents? I, I know, I know. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it was my job to kill them and dissect them. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah, yeah. I was doing some cancer tumor... Mm, dark. ...research. Yeah. Yes, it was dark. So, um, and the only... The two choices were botany and ornithology. Huh. And I, uh, I tried the botany class and I said, no, yeah. that's not going to work. Yeah. And then next day I went to ornithology and that seemed pretty good. Huh. And... Uh, so I stuck with ornithology, but I took one other class that spring semester, my last semester, with a physics professor, Charlie Wing, and he mm. was teaching a sort of passive solar house design senior seminar, and I took that, and then he wanted to build his own house that summer, and so he hired me and a friend of mine. and To build it? To help him build it. Did you know what the didn't hell know you were anything. doing? <laughs> he didn't did. know anything. So I sort of uh, went off to build that. First, The first thing we did was build our own little... 12 by 20 place that where like we could mile. stay. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Little, little 12 by 20 to live in. But did the other person know what they were like to no, build? No, we were... You just made We were... No, I mean, I had done, you know, I'd, I'd used a hammer before. Okay, and, and you knew, you know, math and right, uh, right. I can geometry. Read a, I can read a, you know, tape measure. Yeah, I got, yeah. <laughs> I could do a, figure out how yeah. to create a right angle. Um, so... Um, did that build house there and then got some queries from other folks who wanted to build houses and huh. ended up doing that and we built this homemade house in yeah, 19, 1979 I could use a new house John do you yeah. have any uh, you have some spare time You're yeah yeah that's, that's going to be my encore <laughs> yeah. career that'll be it no but the craziest thing we did on this house was to actually decapitate almost two thirds of it you see this part here where we yeah. have the third floor yeah well, in March, in March 19, hmm, when was that? March 1989, I took the roof off. I remember we you telling under, the story, yeah. Yeah, we were in the starlight here. And wow. uh, we almost got everything up before the weather closed in on us. And uh, Almost. Almost, not quite. Yeah. So I had a bad six or seven hours where I was trying to keep everything from mm. flooding. But... Uh, it all worked out. Hmm. So not so because I, I thought I was like, oh, I wonder if you know, you had some experiences as a kid where you like you knew that you wanted to get into birding because you just you had some. No, you know, all of my, I I swear down to the last one, I think all of uh, my colleagues in the company who are guides. They all had some epiphany when they. Oh were, yeah, they did. Yeah, but you were, didn't have one when they were six yeah. or five or nine or twelve or you know whatever. And yeah. by the time they got to high school, they were. They were hooked. Right. Oh, some they were eagle hooked. came and they were, when once they got their licenses, they were like driving all over the country <laughs> to go see stuff. You yeah. Know, and having road trips and and I'm the outlier. I didn't know anything about birds till I took oh. that ornithology class. It was wow. a complete revelation. I I was. Um, I had I bought a field guide with somebody else in the class because mm -hmm. I was either too cheap or too poor to pay a full eight ninety five for the golden <laughs> guide, and so we split this guide and we would trade it off for you know two or three days or something. And when I got it my first time, I started flipping through. It was like, you're kidding me. There are all these things. <laughs> there are eight hundred species of birds in North America. That's incredible. So. I didn't know anything. You know, a blue jay, what I called a blue jay, was a yeah. California scrub jay. And, and <laughs> I knew bald eagle and turkey and maybe robin. Yeah, wow. But now, so now, how many do you know now? Oh, it's... Every one. 
That's it. <laughs> Every single one. Well, there's more than 10,000. So really? Depending on your taxonomy, there's probably more than 11 or 12. How many have you seen? Thousands. Thousands? Do you, do you keep a running I, 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 um, I, I stopped actually counting it back in 1984. Oh, you did? Yeah. By which time it was, I don't know, it was over 2,000 at that time. Yeah. So. And I've been to lots of other places, but yeah. And then, so you've you've so you started this company. So the after college, then is that when you decided to start this the field guides company? Um, I fell into tour leading. It was that was all serendipity as well. Hmm. So it's a common um, theme. I was doing carpentry, um, and it was cold in the winter. Um, there was a lot of outdoor work, and so Liz and I. Uh, we we decided to sort of take some breaks. We had we had a friend. My sister um, at the time lived in Brazil uh-huh. in Rio de Janeiro, mm. and we also had a friend who had a Watson Fellowship. Oh, and she went to Bowdoin and had a Watson Fellowship to work on woodpeckers in Suriname or in Trinidad and then mm-hmm. Suriname, and so we um, we planned a trip and we stopped in Trinidad to visit our friend. Mm-hmm. And then we went down to see my sister in Rio for a month and came back and we thought we'd gotten this traveling out of our system. And then about two days later, a friend of us, of ours asked if we wanted to go to Peru next winter. And we said, huh. yep. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. Let's go look at birds of Peru. So we did that. And we did that uh, every winter for about well, four or five winters. And then I started running into other people who were traveling down there. And a few of those people were actually doing small group tours mm-hmm. so it was just sort of getting started and then I got asked so was, the whole the, that whole industry was just getting started it was it was mm. it, it really only started in the and very 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 small in the mid 70s or so mm-hmm. and then it started gathering some momentum in the early 80s and I was going to go down to Suriname with a friend again for a couple of months to do some birding and recording mm. In, recording the uh, audio? Recording the bird sounds, yeah. Yeah. Um, and let's see, that was in 1981, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, somebody who was running tours down there found out I was going to be down there and asked me if I'd help out for a week on this tour group. So I did that, and then it was like, You're like, oh, I like you, this. You can do that? Yeah, you can do this? <laughs> Wait a minute, and get you paid? You can do that? It's a thing. This yeah. is a thing. Yeah. So did that and it was fun and then I got asked to do more things and yeah. So I worked for another company and then we started our own company in 85. Wow. So yeah, it just seems like I think like from the first well, when I first started to get to know you and I learned well, was learning about what you were doing, I just thought my gosh, this is like a dream, you know, a dream job. Like you and you kind of created it on your own, right? Like you by serendipity you had these trips and you you saw that this could be a thing and then you said you decided well let's turn this into a business and a career um and just sort of went down that path uh a lot of things just sort of fell into fell place into, just fell into place and then we took we, and then we and we took leaps of faith you know that if i were to if i thought about them more carefully i probably never would have taken like i quit my job at the other company when Liz was pregnant with our first child. It was like, oh, I don't have any income. Okay. Yeah. Good, good idea. Let's so, quit. Yeah, let's quit. <laughs> let's quit and just 
But that's the only way to do it, right? Just to go all in. Dive in and... And make it happen. Yeah. 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 It took us six months to sort of get up and rolling. Wow. You started this business. You're you're rocking and rolling. You start leading these tours. First of all, uh, now I was doing some research... Uh, when I did some research on you, I noticed You looked that up all the dirt? I looked up all the dirt, and I found that you have this nickname. Ah. And, and what is it? It's the, ga- the Gannet. <laughs> Very good. Is that okay. right? Yes. So, so I did some research on Gannets, and I got to tell you, Jan, I was shocked by what I learned. I'm sure. You yeah. know, you think you know someone. And, and the dark side comes out. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. You realize so, that they... they they fly high above the water and they plunge dive in after fish or something. Or, yeah. Well, or oh they gosh. simply eat a lot. Well, okay, so that yes, one one of the things I read is that they are they're they are voracious eaters. So I yes. thought, yeah. is this how you got this nickname? Well, it, it could be. <laughs> <laughs> it also, um, especially early on, was was my favorite bird. Was it? Yeah. Oh, so this is it your, was one is of those things. Bird? It was one of those things. Um, where I didn't know anything like that semester taking ornithology boat, but yeah. we did field trips all the time. And in the spring, in, in I think it was early May, we did a field trip um, with Chuck Huntington, who was the professor. Uh, Liz and I and uh, Debbie Nicholson, somebody else in the class, um, hopped into a van with Chuck and we drove up to... New Brunswick mm. via Baxter State Park, a little detour. That is um, a little detour. And then, yes, it was. <laughs> Chuck had a lot of detours. Um, and then we went to Ken Island. Oh, yeah. And Bowdoin Scientific Station up off of Grandin Inn. And um, there was, it was sort of misty or foggy on the on the crossing. And, and I saw, you know, there were lots of birds around. And I saw this big bird sort of in the mist. Uh-huh. And it had these... It was a big white thing with big black wing tips, and I mm. thought, that's a weird gull <laughs> or something. And I didn't find out, I didn't realize what it was until like a month later or something, or really? some weeks later, when I happened to be flipping through the correct part of the field guide, not the gulls. <laughs> and I said, Oh, not the gulls. Oh, oh, that's what it that's was. That's it. <laughs> that's the one. This big white thing with big black back wings you know <laughs> so you named wings. this you named your you gave yourself I, the nickname well the the history is almost most of the folks in our company have a bird name. okay i love that and that it comes from this tradition that i was never directly part of but um it comes from a tradition started by edgar kincaid mm-hmm. in texas um who who started giving people bird names based on their sort of both their appearance and their personality. Yeah. Okay. And and so the early um some of the very early folks involved in that were very close to Edgar, Edgar and those include um two of my partners and then a third one who came who you know started leading tours after uh, they had already known mm-hmm. Edgar for a while, but they grew up in Texas and they knew Edgar and they mm-hmm. were with another friend. They were this sort of trio of teenagers, you know, going around trying to see all the birds they could see. Yep. Nobody else was looking at birds that yeah. they knew of. Um, <laughs> Before it was a thing. And 
anyway, and Edgar sort of mentored them at some level and I think took them on trips to, mm. to Mexico and then started giving people bird names. Oh. So like Roseanne is the Western Grebe and mm. John, her brother, I don't know is, what that is. But. The Western Grebe is this beautiful water bird that has this incredible, you should go look up. I'm look going up, to Everybody now. listening look should go Western look. Green. Go Google Western Green and look <laughs> at a video of the display. It's pretty amazing. These mm. two, two birds will get side by side on the water and they'll basically sort of do a wheelie on the water and rush across the surface of a oh, lake. Oh, this is like the, the dance. That's the accordion oh, dance. Oh, cool. Yeah, courtship dance. It's, it's very cool. Anyway, so Roseanne is Western Green and and... I actually have not called her anything but agree. <laughs> you have seriously agreed. since shortly after I met her. Wow. I don't think I've never called her Roseanne. <laughs> <laughs> and her brother John um, is the Pepper Shrike. Don't he know was that named, one either. The Pepper Shrike is a tropical <clears throat> New World tropics bird. So you go down to Mexico and South, you'll see <clears throat> Pepper Shrikes, and they're really vocal, talkative, and loquacious. If we can, yep. can use that word, yep. um, we can and, use that word. And, Tunky, uh -huh. and that fits the pepper, yeah. pepper shake perfectly. Oh. <laughs> and there's another person. So most of these people, you know, who've had they these fit. bird names for a long time, they fit. Yeah. They fit. And I have not actually called them by their given names. <laughs> so people call you the Gannet. Yeah, people call me the Gannet. Hey, Gannet! My, you know, all, all of our, everyone calls right. me the Gannet. Well, yeah. it also, like, I mean, I was looking at actually the physical appearance of the bird. It's this tall, white bird with a yellow yeah. Top. I was like, blonde. oh, you're it's yeah, a little blonde. blonde. You get the blonde hair, right? Okay. Well, I used to be blonder. Maybe that's what it was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, now, okay. Then I then I was looking at the origins of the of the name Gannet, and it was mm -hmm. in Old English. It meant it meant strong and masculine. Jan, did you know oh, that? Wow. Right. Well, no, I didn't give myself credit. For that. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. You know? I think it's also uh, British slang for somebody who eats a lot. That is, yeah, it's like a voracious eater. And, and that would have fit me to a T. Yeah. In uh, earlier times. Well, okay. I used to have three main <laughs> courses and six desserts when I was a bird. This fits then. It's, it's a fitting bird. Perfect. Now the last piece <laughs> I heard that I read about was the one that really got got me because it the it was somehow related to the Greek. Maybe like the species name or something it was related to the Greek word for foolish, because yeah. do you know this story? Because you could land on their islands and club them to you death. You can club them. Yes. Because you know what right. though? Do you know when was the appropriate time to club these poor gannets? When they're nesting. When yeah, when they're breeding. Well, that's the only time they're on. Oh, oh it is. <laughs> There's no other choice. So they were so, so they, I guess they just were like, oh, there's these people so coming, the, we don't so care. Gannet, wow, we're going to get deep into the weeds. We're getting deep. Okay. So bear with us, everyone. Um, so uh, gannets are in this family of birds um, that's... Uh, With boobies, that, apparently. Exactly. The so sea that's where I was going to go. And the See, I know. Spanish, I, I've done this research. I know. And the Spanish <laughs> word for fool yep. is bobo. Oh. Which is where booby comes from. Mm. Oh, because I didn't know that. the sailors, um, you know, sailing to the Indies or whatever, they would stop at these islands, and there are no gannets down there in the warm yeah. waters nesting, but there are various species of boobies, and they would land mm. ashore and they would just go and club, club. Uh, oh, a few boobies, take them back to the ship, and yeah. have, have a good meal. Dinner, yeah. yeah.
Damn it. Oh my gosh! So, so the Gannon is your favorite. Is it? Does it remain your favorite? Yeah, bird? I have a very soft spot. For you do. Gannets. You do. <clears throat> now, uh, I know what your least favorite bird is. Oh, you, know? you do. I do. Oh, in wow. fact, I feel like Holy I, I, I feel that you have a. I feel that you have a grudge against this bird. I oh. would even. I would even go as, as far as to say a vendetta against this bird. This poor creature. Okay. That is not native. To our parts, Jan. Not native, okay. But for some reason, that leaves, that leaves thousands and thousands <laughs> of species. It's the poor starling. Oh yes, <laughs> it's a lovely thing. So, why? Why do you have such animosity you towards believe, this bird? Uh, is this online somewhere that I don't know about? <laughs> have remember, I been outed? The, yeah. Last year when I was here, the, 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 you had that ma- the magazine, I forget what it was, which oh, one, and the okay. starling was on the cover, yeah. and you were like, oh, the starling. The starling, yes. Ugh. Well, I'm not, I'm not big on introduced species. Yeah. So they I don't usually do much good. They don't, yeah. And starlings have been a real problem for things like our native birds like bluebirds and stuff so sta- starlings mm. are cavity nesters oh so they go in and steal the eggs right so they nest in holes in trees and stuff it's not that they steal the eggs so much oh as that they outcompete less uh. aggressive and weaker and smaller things for the cavity and cavities are a very limited resource mm. so yeah if you're a bluebird you need a cavity yeah but you don't have a beak that can make a cavity you're not a woodpecker or something mm-hmm. you can't actually drill your own hole so you have to use a hole that was made by someone else and if starlings are in the area, they outcompete you because they're mm. much more aggressive. Got it. And that's you don't get a cavity. Oh, so you don't sons get of breathe. bitches! I know. Mean, and that's why there are bluebird boxes everywhere. Oh, really? To make fake cavities. Okay, I didn't realize. I just thought people love bluebirds. They wanted to put these boxes no, everywhere. Now there wouldn't be any bluebirds here at all if there were no bluebird boxes. Oh wow! Because the starlings have after the starlings and they've been brought from Europe. So Ugh. evil, nasty the, things. Yeah, right. The evil. That, yes. Is that real? That's not necessarily your least favorite bird. I just that's no, a good story. No. There are lots of really. You have lots. others that you dis. Dislike. There are some really ugly birds that I'm not a big oh. fan of. Oh, really? <laughs> you know, like marabou stork or something. Marabou stork. Oh, I got to look this one. Got to look a picture of marabou stork. Okay. Not not. <clears throat> Not going to be on the cover of a <laughs> glamour magazine. <laughs> so, glamour bird, right? So, right. so uh, any other birds you just you didn't really disdain, <laughs> not for their appearance, but I for their person. Actually, of... here's a question. Yeah. So, do you feel that? Okay, now you've seen these birds right everywhere. Do you feel like they have, uh, like they they have their own personalities? Right? Oh, for sure. You do. Yeah. 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 I mean, some are, you know, some are bold and. Yeah. Some are perky and some are inquisitive and some are retiring and some mm. almost never want to be seen in the day of light of day. So. <laughs> Interesting, yeah. Have you ever had any uh have you ever seen any like weird bird behavior? Um well, yes. I mean not not that it would be out of the ordinary for those birds, but there are lots of you know, there's lots of if you if you think of how birds um Especially how they mate. Uh-huh. Um, I don't the, often think of how no, you mate. No, I know. I realize that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, let me rephrase that. Although I, th- I think but, I, I did see some birds mating once, like on the in the snow on the side of the road. And you thought that looks cold. I was, yeah, yeah, I was like, right, what? And right. they didn't even budge. They just went about their business. Well, actually, but. and some some of these things do actually breed in the winter. I was just looking at a post by um, Doug Hitchcock from Maine Audubon who did a little. Um, 
main atlasing, block atlasing for winter birds this past week. And he said he was someplace where there are lots of white-winged crossbills and there's a huge cone crop available to them. And those, that's a species that will nest opportunistically any time mm. of the year, depending on the food supply. So they're nesting right now. Probably. Maybe the, Wait, so but they're here in Maine? They're, in, maybe they're the, here in Maine. Would they be around here? Cause maybe well, yes, but only if there's a good cone crop. Oh, okay. And there's, I haven't heard of any around in this area, although some winters there are. Yeah. Um, but, um, but there are lots of neat mating systems in birds. So I don't know if you've seen any like bird of paradise. I've seen specials. yeah the bird of paradise for right. sure. So yeah, that would be the sort of highlight one. But yeah, seeing that stuff really so happens. I've you seen, seen that. It? I've seen that. I've you sat have? in hides and watched birds of paradise. That's just cool. transform into these amazing yeah. looking bizarre things. Yeah. Oh my god. And then in South America, there are lots of weird ones too. Any it tends to be birds that um, the weirdest ones tend to be birds that make their living eating fruit. Uh, uh, why? Because fruit tends to be uh, a localized but abundant resource. So uh -huh. if you find the fruiting tree, you have an unlimited source relatively, temporarily at least, you know, a large food supply. You don't need to worry about food. So you have sort of, if you will, time to spare. And, uh -huh. and, and that has over time... Time to, to spare. ...the evolution of the females in those particular species Mm -hmm. doing all the nest care and raising of the young and the males turning into these extravagant, crazy display really? things. <laughs> yeah. with some really wild stuff. Yeah. So now, and um, you've been, you've been on these tours on all seven continents I yeah. have heard. Yes. Which is unbelievable. Uh, first of all, I got to hear more about Antarctica because it right. just is so foreign to me. I know. What, what's that? Was... What's it like there? I mean, did you see the happy feet? I mean, what did you, what did you get to see? <laughs> <laughs> I saw quite a few happy feet. You did? Um, yeah. I'd never what time of year were you there? You I, must have been there in summer. Well, I was there in Antarctic summer. Yeah, in I, in I Antarctic was there. summer. Yeah, yeah. We, we do our tours down there anywhere from November to right. February. Right, okay. So, um, and I went down a couple of times. Mm. Once I did the what we would call the sort of whole route, which is you... You leave from the Straits of Magellan somewhere in mm -hmm. southern uh, South America, and we went over to the Falklands, and then we went down the String of Islands, South Shetland, South Orkneys, all of that, Elephant Island, Deception Island, and to the Antarctic yep. Peninsula, and then back across um, to South America, mm. across the Drake Passage. Yeah. And then I did another one where we went out of the Straits of Magellan, and we landed on the uh, no, actually, we flew to the Falklands. We were the first flight into the Falklands after the war. We cut a ribbon getting off the plane. No way. We were the first commercial oh flight. Really? Yeah. That was, that was neat. And then we went from there and did a circumnavigation of South Georgia Island, which is mm. the premier landscape. And it's the famous place where Shackleton yep. landed after his endurance expedition. Yeah. Wow. So, um, but it's amazing. It's beautiful down there. It's just yeah. one of the... Um, you know, a lot of these, it's hard, it's hard it, for most people these days to get a sense of scale and a sense yeah, of for sure. vast wilderness. Mm -hmm. And that's what you find down there. Mm. There and some places in Amazonia still that we yep. do tours to, you know, you can get up on top of a hill or a peak or canopy tower or whatever and look out and there's just... Just forest as far as you can yeah. see and you realize if I tried to walk out of here it would take <laughs> a long 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 time and, probably, and you get lost so. 
but Antarctica was that was one of my highlight. Was it? So what is that? I was going to ask. What do you, did you have? Do you have a highlight from all the years of touring the places you've been? Yeah, I mean, I have different experiences, but in terms of places, that would be right up there. I love being on ships. I love being out on the ocean. Really, watching seabirds. Hmm. Gannets, um, especially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no gannets down there. Um, but um, I love watching seabirds. I, you know, I just enjoy. Yeah. I enjoy life on a ship. It's it's neat. Um, and. Uh, well, how long on a ship have you been? The longest I've been on a ship. Yeah. Was probably those trips, two weeks at a time. Two weeks. Two weeks yeah. or seven days. Yeah, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, but really neat and also really neat to see all the different things that you know it's I'm going down there as a birder but yeah all the other aspects that are just foreign to you like all the different kinds of ice oh yeah yeah that you don't think about right here you just think there's ice and there's not ice and there there's brash ice and there's you know various other kinds Mm -hmm. of ice and the ice can be blue and the ice it's just it's Fantastic. Mm. <laughs> now, you must have seen some penguins there. We saw lots of penguins. We saw lots of marine mammals. We saw... Seen polar bears? There are no polar bears. Oh, in Antarctica? Oh, there's, there's they no... They're northern aren't. hemisphere. They are. We have to go. We go up to Spitsbergen to see polar bears or Alaska. Okay. We used to do a Baffin Island trip, yeah. too, but mm. I haven't done one of those recently. What a great fact. How, I, 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 know, and I should have known that there were no polar bears in Antarctica, but... You should have. I'm going to edit that out. We're going to give you a demerit. <laughs> we'll give you a demerit get, for that. We're getting it's out of the. <laughs> You're going to go have to write 50 times there are yeah. no polar bears in Antarctica. <laughs> and right, no now, penguins. No right, penguins no, in, in the in north. The, in the Arctic, yeah. <laughs> now, how about like, so we're in Maine, right? One of my favorite birds, maybe my favorite, is the common loon, Jan. Oh, Do you know nice. much about the loon? I know that it's in almost every movie soundtrack ever made. <laughs> right, yeah. I actually wanted to get a loon uh, ringtone. I want to get a loon ringtone. Oh, that would be yeah. good. But, so, the loons. I love these, right? I love these loons. They're, mm-hmm. I love just the way they look, right? Like the the Glossy, contrast, the, gloss, the black amazing. and white checkered, the red eyes. Yeah, the right? water just beads up and runs oh, yeah. off their backs. I mean, the it's, call of the loon. Especially if you're out there at night. Oh, it's beautiful, it's right? But, so I love these things. I, I am, like, drawn to them, but they also scare the bejesus out of me if I'm, like, in the water with them. So Why? because Well, okay, well, so let me just... You've been attacked by a loon. Well, here's, <laughs> let me, I, so let me tell you my story, and I want to get your take on it, because okay. next time I'm in this situation, maybe it'll be different. So this summer, I was at my in-laws' camp in Lincolnville, and uh, it was a rainy day, right, like pouring down rain, and nobody was on the lake. And my kids and I were out. We were like, let's, I was like, we should go out swimming in the lake. There's nobody out there. You know, do, it's, do we have to, like, get the dark music going? Right <laughs> yeah, now let's get some loon calls going. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, and so we go out, and we're swimming for a while, and then the kids, like, eventually go in. And I was hanging out. I was like, I'm just going to stay out here on the, on the float. And, uh, and I just thought to myself, it's a, and I said to the girls, I think, I said, it's a great day for loons, you know, because of the, there's nobody out here. And once you know, this loon, like, pops up in the lake, maybe, I don't know, 50 feet away. And so I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. So I get in the water, and I'm just kind of swimming around. And this loon keeps coming, like, closer and closer. And it'll go under, and then it comes up, and then it goes under, and it comes up. And if one, and the, at the closest point, it was maybe 15 feet away from me. Just hanging out, and it's pouring. It's pouring. Sharpening rain. its bill. Exactly. So I, at that point, when it's fifteen feet away, I'm like, oh my god, 
death you know, is my, imminent. My, yeah, death yeah. is imminent. My like Philadelphia nature, you know, mm-hmm. takes a hold. First of all, the yeah. fact that I am swimming in a pond where I can't see the bottom in and of itself is a minor. They could physical. be coming at you from below. <laughs> That's this is what I'm worried about. They could torpedo and, freshwater you know, sharks <laughs> at on a whim. Yeah. It could like you know puncture a lung or something. That's it. But would it ever? Would no. a loon ever do something like that? No. Okay, so then I just no, but they're curious. Create... So you're in the water. Yeah. If you're if you're on land and and you know if you just suddenly appeared on right. the shore and they were twenty feet away or something, they would hightail them out of there. Yeah. But if you're in the water, you're first of all you don't look like a human <laughs> in the water. <laughs> right. Just my head. And it's just your head and an occasional hand or something yeah. or arm, and they don't. So. They don't worry about that. So we go and spend a week or two on um, a lake in Algonquin Provincial Park, um, summers, and there are loons there. Mm-hmm. And um, the loons, one or two loons, will frequently come swim by the dock. And if we're in the water, you know, we can go out there and get real close. They'll get pretty close. Yeah. And there's and, and they make you, this little kind of cook. Do they? Sometimes. And if you do that back to them. They get real curious. No, I'm going to start Sometimes doing Sometimes they'll swim over and... And, you, and are they sharpening their bills? That's it, yeah. That's right. Just like, <laughs> because they, which eye? Yeah. Seriously, they can, yeah, can't scan That bill is so sharp. It is. It really freaks me. Okay, yeah. so I'm going to try that. Now okay. that you've... you've, you've uh, It'll be a real horror eased show my, now. <laughs> you've eased my anxieties about the loon. Brunswick man, Hartzell man right. attacked <laughs> by loons. in like, okay. Can't wait to see the headline. Oh my gosh, that's unbelievable. I had this other story too about it was just and this is uh, this might get to my next um, question for you, which is like how can we just in our sort of daily lives encourage more birds to visit us in our around our homes, right? And I have a couple of feeders out there, much to the chagrin of uh, my the people who come uh, and take care of like the pests because they're like, listen. You're you got to stop. Yeah, you got. You're attracting all the rodents. Rats. You got to get rid of this. Yeah. You got to get. And I'm like, but the birds love to eat here, exactly. so I keep it there. Now, one time I was out there and uh, there was no seed, and and I just put some seed in my hand, and the chickadees were up there in the tree, and one of them landed on my hand and just started eating the seed. At home? Yeah. You ever had wow. anything like that? that that's a habituated chickadee. Somebody else has been doing that somewhere. You close think? By. Oh, almost guaranteed. But that happens. That. You know, um, I mean, people, you know, people who get, who regularly go out and make an offering, basically, yeah. uh, with, you know, an unthreatening off- offering on their hands or something, will get them over time to land on them. And I knew somebody in Virginia who t- would take out mealworms, put, put mealworms hmm. on her hand, put her hand out, and bluebirds would come and take oh mealworms really? in the winter from, from her hand. Um, but... Uh, what can you do to you? Yeah, what can so, we do? So we've done, um, we have uh, somebody who's, uh, who comes, who's local here, Sarah Walpo. Give her a little uh, A little shout out. A little right. shout out. Yeah. Uh, she's done a great job here um, uh, helping us landscape our yard. And we've wanted to um, add things that would be attractive to birds. Yeah. And, and Which are? That's sarah's thing which would be so for for hummingbirds for example it would be certain flowering plants like we have some salvia and some other flowers and stuff that the Mm hummers really like and then um we've also planted these rudbeckias which you would think of as giant black-eyed susans or something Mm. right but i mean they're literally five or six feet tall and 
they make a they make a little sunflower head basically mm-hmm. and as soon as we had them out here the goldfinches started landing on them oh. to feed on them so anything that bears a nice edible seed or something or that flowers mm-hmm. um, and also if you don't have um, you know anything that provides some good cover too mm. if you have a really kind of open yard or something yep. like that mm. especially cover near the feeders because they need a place to escape sure yeah <laughs> The predators. So. Now, um, this was kind of related to that. I was wondering if over your years of traveling and just observing birds, if you've noticed patterns of change in like the numbers of birds in certain areas or behaviors or have you noticed uh, any trends? Lots. You have. Yeah. Tell me <laughs> more. Uh, well, and, and where? Like what? And what are the, like, like, okay, here you might have seen some things, but... In other places, are there are there more striking examples? I don't know. Well, the examples here are pretty <clears throat> striking. Um, <throat> if you look over when since I started in '74 uh, to now, um, the number, just the plain number of individual small birds around well, what we refer to as passerines, you know, uh-huh. uh, songbirds, um, is down dramatically. And you can see that, um, well, you can see it in several pla- in several ways or, or become aware of it if you have that time frame in several ways. Um, one is if you go to a, a migration spot like Monhegan, mm-hmm. um, you know, what used to be considered an okay day or passable day or just so-so day is now, now the good day. Hmm. Um, just because of the sheer numbers, mm-hmm. you know, there used to be a lot more. Um, and then, um, if you have lived on a property over time or, or birded around, especially in the woodland areas, mm-hmm. um, over the last 40 years, um, you'll just notice that in the summer, in the breeding season, there's less song than there used mm. to be. And that's... It's probably sort of a double effect. It's probably, there are fewer individuals actually out in the woods, so there are fewer nesting pairs. And since there are fewer nesting pairs, it may be that the distance between... There's less of a challenge to you if you sing to defend okay. your territory. Yeah, got it. And you don't hear anybody sing back mm-hmm. regularly. Well, do you need to sing as often? Right. So there mm-hmm. may be sort of that effect as well. Um, but the number of, of breeding songbirds is is way down. In some species, it's down dramatically. Uh-huh. You know, if you go read some of these sort of Audubon state of the birds report yep. or something like that, um, some of these uh, some warblers and things like that have really declined dramatically. Hmm. And you see it elsewhere. Like if you go out shore birding here on you know McCourt Bay or someplace like that, there's just uh, not the numbers. There's the fraction of what there used to be. Yep. Um, only elsewhere, one, only one gannet. That's right. Actually, and some, some, you know, it's not all news like that. It's just that that if you're looking at the reference from 40 years ago, yeah, what right. the standard was, a lot of that standard has really declined. And that is because of it's well, you can't pinpoint any one thing, but if you combine all the things, that's mm-hmm. probably what's going on. So it's it's habitat fragmentation here. Mm-hmm. You know, where you break up. It's hard for people to understand, but if you take you know, uh, a, a thousand acre piece of woodland yeah. is not the, is valuable 
if you will, to, ver to birds or uh, birds or us productive as 10, 100 acre parcels mm -hmm. that have a lot of edge because things like starlings and these other things. And, Those damn starlings can, again can, coming can back Can come in, in or especially things like brown-headed cowbirds, which are brood parasites, which lay their mm -hmm. eggs in other birds' nests. Um, they, they have, if there's more edge yeah. to the area, you know, in, in terms of proportion, then it, it sort of degrades the value yeah. of the habitat. So you need big patches. So habitat fragmentation here, habitat fragmentation on the wintering grounds. A lot of these things that we have breeding here, they nest in anywhere. They, they winter anywhere from Mexico down to northern South America, mm -hmm. even Amazonia, like black pole warblers, or into the West Indies. And if things are getting cut up there, then they have a problem here with the cutting up, and they have a cut uh, problem there with the cutting yeah. up, and then there's maybe pesticides, and who yep. knows, you know. So there's... Uh, variable weathers and then another thing that's happening that is more that's really directly related to climate change is that there is can be a disconnect between the timing of arriving back on your nesting ground uh -huh. and when the food source that you need for your young mm -hmm. is actually at its peak uh. and if if you still arrive roughly at the same time you used to arrive 50 years ago but now the peak of your insects or seeds mm -hmm. or whatever it is you feed your young is a week earlier. It's hard to get enough <clears throat> yep. food for enough young. Yeah. So anyway, wow. but other things have changed too. I mean, we've gotten, we have a bunch of birds here. You probably have them in your yard that we didn't used to have. Red-bellied woodpeckers, Carolina wrens, tufted titmice, even cardinals. Well, slow down there, Jan. <laughs> <laughs> you may not have them all in your yard, but I have them all in my yard. Hold on a second. A... I got cardinals, but... Uh, no red belly woodpeckers? I d I, if I did, I wouldn't. I have to We're gonna have to. Up. You're going to have to learn what they sound like. Okay, so th here's, that was another question I have, okay. which is... Okay, I'm interested in birds, right? Like, I want to go... I want to learn... If I hear something, I want to learn what it is, but... Like how? Like how am I? How do I? I have to see it in order to to figure out what it is, right? And then it's so difficult because if I see it once, I gotta either take a mental snapshot or I gotta actually get a physical photo to go to a guide and look at it. What are the ways that I can learn about these? Well, if you're in the field and you have your phone with you these days, yeah. So I can take. Well, I'm snapping a photo with my phone, right? Or but, you can just use one of the apps. Like there's a Merlin app from Cornell Lab uh, of Ornithology, and they'll run you through a couple of quick questions, and you'll probably get it down to four choices, so I'm or three it down. choices, okay. and they'll have photos. And you go, that's it. Yeah. It's kind of like, is it bigger than a break box? Yeah. Smaller? But is it only but, by by sight, or can you do it by? Well, that's by sight. Um, and we'll get, we're not at the point where you can just sort of yeah. record something and then shazam it. So <laughs> we're not, we're not there yet, but we're getting, we're getting there. Uh -huh. Um, it's much more complicated than, than a song that always sounds the same, you know, a pop song or something that always right. sounds the same. All these bird songs have some little variation mm. in one way or another. And of um, course the starling, yeah. which I learned. <laughs> Can, can imitate everything yes, else. Yes, can imitate. Exactly. It's like they're imitating car yeah. horns and human yeah. speech. Yeah. yeah. There's a bird, actually, there's they're a bird. They're survivors. There's a bird down in the, in, the, um, in the Amazon called Lawrence's thrush. It can imitate dozens and dozens of species. Oh, wow. So if you know what you're listening for, yeah. you, you know all the species in there, and you go walk down the trail, and you start hearing, oh, there's a such and such. Oh, but it could there's be. There's a such and yeah. such, and there's a such and such, and then you realize, oh, all of those. It's the same bird. All the five species <laughs> just came out of that one spot in that tree. You yeah. go, uh-oh. Oh, <laughs> That's the Lawrence's thrush. Right. 
Well, so, so with all these changes, is there anything I, I can do as just sort of a, you know, everyday person to, to help with? Well, there's sort of, I, I'd say there's two approaches. Um, one is if you know what sort of the, one of the most important things to know is to know, is to understand whether or not you're listening to, if listening is what we're talking about. Yeah. If you're listening to something that, that is sort of standard in your repertoire that you already know. Okay, mm -hmm. so if you have, for example, in your yard, you have black hat chickadee, and you have I know that one, red breasted nuthatch. Yes, I know that one. Okay, white breasted nuthatch. And oh wait, okay, wait, you just threw me for there two, two different nuthatches. Nut two nut oh, I didn't know. <clears throat> Depends on whether or not you have them in your woods. But wait, the, the red breasted maybe has a bit of a brown tint on the on the breast. No. I yeah, the red breasted has sort of a uh, yeah, uh, sort of reddish. Brown. Okay, all yes. right. And the the white breasted. Is white breasted. <laughs> so, um, but they have little different calls. And yeah. then if you have a song sparrow in yeah. your yard or some other things. But the first thing to do is to learn the ones you know, you, you get to see. Okay. Right? Yeah. And and go out and listen and say there's a song sparrow singing. And then you realize, oh, it's singing. And then it makes this other little, you know, chip note. Mm -hmm. I, I know what that sounds like. Uh, most of these birds have a, they have a song. These songbirds, at least, they have a song. Uh, sometimes they have a secondary song, but most of them just have a one basic sort of primary song type, and then they they'll have a a note, a call note of some sort. That's to another. And that's just a, bird. Uh, whatever purpose it serves. It could be contact note or something. Uh, you know, I'm here just oh, quietly. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and and then they might maybe they have something else. So there's uh, a song, third. there's a note. But mostly it's note. mostly okay. these songbirds have a song and a call note. Okay. And then except when you get to goldfinches, in which case they do like a zillion different things. Oh my that, gosh, the gold. Well, they're just so happy. Well, they are so happy, but you need to learn <laughs> them because otherwise you think, what's that? And every time it's a goldfinch. Um, but if you learn those common ones, mm -hmm. that you you start with, you have to sort of have reference points, and then the yeah. more reference points you have, the easier it is to learn new things. Ah, okay. Um, and then the other way to do it is to, um, it, like if you record something with your phone. Yes. Oh. And audio. you go out. Yeah, audio. And you don't want to be doing this all the time, you know, especially if there are other birders around and stuff. But uh -huh. if you go out in your yard and you hear something call and you don't know what it is mm -hmm. and you record it and you play back a little snippet, sometimes the thing will come in and show itself and you say, ah. Oh, that's pretty cool. And if you've cool. done that, that actually recording... And getting the imprint yeah. on your brain from the thing coming into your little, you know, recording, you'll go. I'm not going to forget that. Yeah. I'm definitely going to do that. I know that. And Record then, and then the other that. thing you can do is you can you can, um, you know, if you know what the birds are in your general area, yeah, because you've seen them, then you just go to All About Birds, like Cornell site, or this. There's another site called Zeno Canto. Oh, I haven't heard of that. X C N O. It's all all the birds of the world, so it's much mm. bigger. But uh, it's X E N O hyphen C A N T O, um, and you know you can listen to these things. Yeah. So you oh. you don't know what a red-bellied woodpecker looks uh, sounds like, so go mm. listen to. The I all, must have red-bellied. They're the small woodpeckers. No, those are downies. Oh. Downy and hairy are the ones the lookalikes that are okay. smaller and larger. Yeah. Okay. And I then gotcha. the really big ones, pileated. pileated. I'm sure you have downy, hairy, pileated. Definitely. Um, and in migration, at least, you have yellow-bellied sapsucker. Oh, yeah. I've seen and those. flickers. Yeah. And I've seen then, those. And then probably they're within earshot of your place somewhere. 
or close by is a red-bellied woodpecker, and they've only been here for the last... Uh, well, in our area here, they've only been here the last 10 years or so, and hmm. in Maine, and generally in the last yep. 30 years. Wow. How about, what's the what's the rarest bird you've seen? Oh, I've seen some birds that were, like, down to 10 individuals. No way. Yeah, like wow. pink pigeon on Mauritius Island in the Indian Ocean. The pink pigeon, the, the pink elusive pigeon. pink pigeon. That's right, yeah. So I've seen... I've seen a bunch of. Are they rarities. still around? The pink pigeons. They are. They had a breeding captive breeding program for them. So, oh, you know, mm-hmm. some, wow. that's what they have to do for these things that get down yeah. to that few. Wow. Gotcha. What about now? Okay, so it seems like you're you've like created this whole uh, career, and basically you just were like, I don't want to go to med school, or I don't want to, you know, <laughs> I don't want to go to med school. We're going to doctor, so I'm going to somehow I'm going to create this. Do you have any advice for uh, folks who are, um, you know, have maybe an interest or creating their creating their path uh, and following that passion and making it into something that you've done, which took you all around the world? It's unbelievable. Hmm. <laughs> well, that's a you know that's a challenging question. It's a good question, um, but it's got to be really different for different people. So it depends on sort of how self-confident you are i guess oh. at some level right yeah because yeah well yeah um, go I'm, on with that i, I like that if you gotta if you're you know if you are not too worried about what happens in as a consequence you okay can sort yes of dive off the cliff and hope it works out yeah um I, you but know, usually it will or something will work out something will work out but you know i think it is I, i'm really fortunate in that i um I landed, whether it was knowingly or just by luck, yeah. uh, to be you know involved with and working with pe- some amazing people, mm-hmm. just really great people. So if that's you know, um, if if you, that's what you're going to be doing, you're not just going to be doing a solo act, <laughs> right? And that's key. You know? Yeah, it's like the people around, right? You so got to learning from you the people around you. Pick some great people, and they have a lot to share. And mm-hmm. I. If I would go back, I would I would spend, I would take more time sort of downloading information and knowledge from other people. I did a lot of it sort of on mm. my own by osmosis, and um, there's so much to learn, and there's so much information available now for, for yeah. different people. But you know, I these days, you know, you can work from home, right? You can work remotely. You can you can do almost anything you want That's to right. do yeah so they're like there are no limits i mean you're you're doing that here right? we go yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i'm doing it yeah, yeah my day job you right? know and yeah. for sure yeah so i i think the the sky is kind of the limit for yeah for folks cool but, what now okay here's my quick now this has nothing to do with uh birding this is my question from adrian uh-oh. So, do we need to get Liz here? Or do yeah, I, do you, I, could, you could cover it. But can I represent? You can represent, unless you, <laughs> unless I, you know, if the answer requires more. Okay, we'll get and we have to here. erase this whole section. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we could. We, okay. have, we could edit it out. <laughs> okay. Um, so she, I was like, Adrian, what do you think I should, I'm talking to Jan today, what do you think I should ask him? And she was like, well, ask him. She's like, he, he and Liz have been married for, how long have you been married Forever. Yeah, forever. Since the 18-somethings. I can't so yeah. since, like, you know, 18-somethings, yeah. like pre-automobiles. Yeah. <laughs> so, pre-automobiles, yeah. yes, exactly. She said, He's ask Jan. still had a crank Jan. phone. <laughs> she said, ask Jan what, what are his thoughts, uh, and, and Liz's thoughts, too, on uh, having and building a relationship over that 
period of time and, and having it be successful and strong. I'm, I, she's probably asking this because we are in our 20th year of marriage right now, and she could hardly stand me. You know, so oh, she's an artist, you never so, mind. <laughs> so she's trying to get some some outside influence. I'm not sure that's that. true. Yeah. So she, so I heard that other podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, thoughts on longevity of a relationship, Jan? Um, I think you you pick somebody to be with who's going to be your best friend. Mm. And she and Liz has worked with you, right, for a long. Time. Liz, that we don't we don't work together now. We did work together some yeah. doing some carpentry and stuff early on and some other stuff and and uh, we wrote uh, or co-authored a couple of birding site guides together. Got it. For which she did the lion's work. Mm-hmm. I must give her props for that. At this point. <laughs> um, so the friendship think, piece is key. Oh, it's key to me. I mean, that's what I learned. Uh, uh, having gone through some previous relationships. Hmm. And that was sort of my default or my baseline thing. You know, everything else is, is I won't say easy, yeah. but everything else can sort of come along pretty naturally. Yeah, yeah, right. But right. if you don't actually like each other and trust each other and, you know, feel easy with each other, it's hard. Hmm. And there's a lot of stuff, you know, as a parent. There's a lot of stuff, yeah. Stuff happens in life, and you got to have somebody to help you up or give you a kick in the pants. Or, <laughs> uh, I get a lot more kicks in the pants. Well, you know, that's good. It's healthy. <laughs> it's good for you. Maybe you need them. <laughs> I'm sure I do. <laughs> so, I don't know. Do we have to get Liz down here and see what she thinks? We could. It's up to you. Liz, I. Oh, this will be great. We have a question for Liz. We have a question for you. Come from, on. It's from Adrian. Yeah, this okay. is great that you're you're joining us, Liz, because this is really from, you, you know, you're doing this for my wife, who really is asking this question, not me. Uh-oh. Yeah. Did you hear the question that I asked you? No. So, I didn't. So Adrian asked me, uh, she said, ask Jan and Liz what, their, what the keys are to sustaining a long-term relationship. Because you guys have been married since, as Jan Forever. said. You know, 77. We got married yeah. in 1977 down at Chuck and Weiss's house. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Right cool. next to you guys. Yeah, right next so to you. So what are your thoughts on that? I think that we're very lucky to be each other's best friends. Oh my gosh. Did you hear Jan say that? No, I didn't. You did hear him say I that. I didn't. I honestly didn't. <laughs> it's a script. <laughs> it's exactly what he said. We have this <laughs> shtick we do. <laughs> well, Take it on we, the road. We share a lot of interests. Mm-hmm. We look out for each other. We have each other's back. Did you say um, that too, I think? It's all part well, and parcel. I, I guess, honestly, I Do don't know. Yeah. We've really just been incredibly lucky. Mm-hmm. We're well aware that not everyone has the same kind of relationship mm-hmm. that we have had. I think that's the hardest part of a relationship is whether, you know, whether you actually like the other That's person. right. Now, do you also <laughs> hate the starling? Do I what? Oh, I took some real grief. About <laughs> Do I what? My most hated bird, the starling. Oh, you missed this whole thing with <laughs> no. the magazine cover. I, I'm lost. Are you I'm also, lost where we you, are. Do you have a certain disdain for the starling as well? <laughs> no, I don't. Liz, so see, we, back me up. Wait a yeah, minute. You're not backing you're him up. You're supposed to be my best friend. See, we, can, we, have my back. we can disagree about things. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Right. Civilly. Yeah. yeah. So that's the key. So uh, having some common interests... Having supporting each other, yeah. Friendship is key, right? This is how yeah. I mean, you know. Friendship is what it's all about. Yeah, you know, 
It's a long life. If, you're, if right. you don't Hopefully. like each other, it doesn't work very well. That's right. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. And so. being able to communicate honestly mm. and openly. Yeah. Our girls tell us that all the time. They say, thank you for raising us in a family where it's okay to talk about things. Yeah, that's key. That where is people key. don't hide their emotions. Yeah. I remember when we were first getting together, Jan said that one of the things he liked about me was that he could read me like a book, <laughs> which is probably pretty true. I'm not very good at disguising. It made things a lot simpler. <laughs> <laughs> disguising my feet. You know those kicks in the pants? Those yeah, are, the uh, kicks in yeah, the pants. I who, see those coming. Who kicks who in the pants more often? <laughs> oh. I think it's equal. Oh, really? Okay. I do. You okay. kick me in the pants when I need okay. it. No. That's true. Well, I don't every hesitate once in to kick him in the pants. <laughs> little, little uh, readjustment here. So. Right. Yeah. No, I I don't know. We've just been incredibly lucky. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's great. I mean, you're first of all, you're great to uh, to come and join and, and give us that. Uh, it was so funny that you said the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I great. hadn't heard a word, honestly. <laughs> I was reading upstairs and focused on my book. Yeah. That's interesting. Do you have a do you have a least favorite bird? I don't think I do. I have a favorite bird. What's your favorite? Razorbill. Oh, it's not the gannet, huh? Well, <laughs> ooh, now I'm sort of caught yeah. in a bad place. Yeah, you are. <laughs> this is tricky. Wrong answer. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> the razorbill. I like my gannet. Yeah. What, wait, what's now? What, I don't a, know what A razorbill is an alcid, so it's in the same family as mm. puffins, guillemots. Oh, uh, okay. People... You know they go crazy over puffins, but yeah. razor bills have it all over. Really, puffins. I don't know if I've ever seen them. I gotta look. Oh, this up. Very, what are the birds? I gotta, I gotta look up the razor bill. You gotta come with me on the. Um, oh wait, the main Audubon Machias seal. Oh, yes, Mat- Matinicus. Well, I gotta do that. Matinicus but also, Rockford. I was gonna. I forgot. I was gonna. Don't you do like a? Is it a New Year's count or a Christmas Day count? Christmas bird count. Christmas bird count. Christmas yeah. count. Right. Yeah, we just did and that. That goes on everywhere, back. right? It's all over the country. Yeah. And anyone can get involved. Anyone. Anyone can get involved. Yeah. And what do you, so how do you get There's involved? There's a count circle, uh-huh. right, of a certain size, and then you try to f- spend as much time covering as much of that count circle as you can, and it's usually several different groups covering a count circle. So I've been doing this uh, part of a count circle that is out um, at Small Point. It's Phippsburg's, you know, Small uh-huh. Point, that area. And then some other people in that same circle do Popham and some other areas. So I've been doing that for... I don't know, since the 80s at least. So that's Christmas Day. since before we were um, married. That's, oh. no, it's not, it's a two-week, it's in a two-week oh, two, period, oh. roughly around Christmas. Okay. Um, and anyone, could you just like, I want to get involved with this and, you know. If you want to get involved with that, you should come, without, come out with yeah. me next year. That would be awesome, yeah, let's do yeah. that for sure. It's fun. And we bring eggnog. And you bring eggnog, oh, too. Oh, gosh, <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> this don't is your mother-in-law's <laughs> recipe? Yes, it is. Liz's mom. Yeah. It is. She and I made it together. You bring it years. on the Christmas count. Shh, don't tell anybody. Oh. <laughs> well, it's really my, yes. it's, my grandfather's recipe. Oh, it is. But my mother tells a story about how my grandfather used to keep the recipe in the safe deposit box at the bank. That is she hysterical. thought was the most ridiculous thing she'd ever heard. <laughs> and when he brought the recipe home, the first Christmas that she was there with my dad... She said she immediately copied it down. <laughs> <laughs> Broke all the family rules. But it's actually almost identical to the recipe in the joy of cooking. Oh my gosh. There's really no but big not secret quite. to there it. Is this, there must be a secret. But it's a, All right, so the Christmas, it's called the Christmas, Christmas Count. Christmas Bird Count. Christmas Bird, bird Count, CBC. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
I think traditionally it was originally held on Christmas Day. Yeah. Okay. Well, that sounds interesting. I mean, that's something that anyone anywhere can get involved with too, right? So you have it's an interest. Fun. It's a good excuse fun. to go out. Right. This this year was kind of crazy. It was the the original date scheduled. It was going to be pouring rain, so they moved it from the Saturday to the Sunday, and the mm-hmm. Sunday was howling a gale. There were <laughs> nine or ten foot swells out there. There was so much sea foam, you know, washing yeah. up on the beach, mm-hmm. and the wind was so strong that these little pellets of sea foam were blowing across the land. And they looked like little flocks of birds. But you went anyway, right? We went anyway, but yeah. we could. We saw, you know, we missed a whole bunch of stuff. Yes. We couldn't really look at the water very well. Um, but we had, we had a good time. Wow. So Cool. It's been everything from warm to like 15 below zero. Yeah. So. We're still seeing birds at 15 below. Eh, sometimes. Not a lot. <laughs> yeah. So... Well, not a lot. Cool. Yeah. Well, this has been awesome. You guys are the best for having me here for eggnog and chats about birds and talks about how to go longer than 20 years of marriage. You're having fun. Yeah. That's, all, that's what it's all about. That's it's right. your world. It's just not the Starling's world. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'll have to like, make a peace pact or something. <laughs> so. Oh, that's great. That's great. I think Starlings are kind of cool, actually.